Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome Hello. to another episode of Stuck at Home with myself, Cliff Dorfman, and this guy. Me, Jason, and I'm trying to go. I'm not quite as deep as Cliff today on the uh, the old uh, open shirt it's thing, but I can try. There's only one more button to go. Am I supposed to have it up here like no, this? Is that? It's a summer look, and I love it. It's it's you know what it is. And everybody who's listening um, and not watching the video, uh, yeah, she's been wearing a, a couple open buttons the last couple of days, and I love it. Yeah. What it is is it's a um, it's kind of like the uh, I was I've been watching a lot of Dynasty. I told you with my daughter. Um, that's our new show together. The the new the new, the new one the, taken from Aaron Spelling that Josh yeah. Schwartz Gossip Girl did. That's that's Stephanie right. Savage. But uh, what you notice and what I've, I've noticed in L.A. talking to agents and everybody is there's a certain like rich guy shirt wearing style. And it's like the the blue start, <laughs> shirt, but it's like three buttons down, all old hey. skin under there. A little bit of like old man pack showing. Wait, do I have the old man skin? though? no, no, no you don't have the old man know. skin. Tell me. Maybe you right? go down deep enough. I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down deep. I'm not thirsty. <laughs> I'm not but, uh, that thirsty. I'm good. But it's that like, you know, you if you want to if you want to show that the guy is rich, but also has a yacht and also uses that yacht to fuck you, you open like a third button on his blue starch collared shirt. You know what I mean? I do. I do. <laughs> I knew a guy who's a, an heir to a billionaire, you know, multi-billion dollar fortune. Mm -hmm. And he was dressed. Did I tell you the story? He was dressed once. Uh, it was like he was wearing boat shoes and like khakis and like a, a hat and like a weird, like a linen kind of shirt. And it was like right. Chateau Marmont. I'm like, dude, what's up with the with the garb? I mean, you look great, but like right. it feels like out of place because you never know when a yacht party is going to break out. That's right. That's right. And, like, that, that, and that's why you have to have your shirt down. It's like, if you're going to eat you're at the Chateau, yeah. If you're going to go to, uh, you know, get, go to one of the nice sushi bars, you know, if you're going to Nobu or you're going to, you know, you're going somewhere good, you got to have three buttons open to eat that. So sushi. what you're saying is I look like an old dude who has a yacht. Well, I love it. That's all I want to be like, by I, the way, I'm, I'm taking it as a compliment. I when I was 30 years old, I saw these people and I'm like, this is me. This is all I want to be. Um, I can't pull it off yet, but I will. I will one because I don't like ironing and two because I don't like going to the dry cleaner. But once I start doing those two things, it's it's all good, baby. Listen. Gravy. I'm not sure about you saying those 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 phrases. I'm I'm doing more I'm doing more slang. I'm doing more slang. I, I, listen, I can wear this though later for my for my Zoom call, right? With with uh Tiger's manager. Yeah, exactly. With exactly. Dre London. No, 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 I'm asking, can I? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got a big me. call after this. Nice. The Zoom nice. is it? Is it a call? It's a Zoom, right? It's, it's, Zoom. A, it's, a, yeah. it's a jiggy it's like an iPod. I feel like <laughs> yeah, there's no more, you know, iPods. But you know, even when Zoom came out, it was an iPod. It was like, oh, look at the Microsoft iPod. Oh yeah, the Zoom, the Zoom. I remember yeah. the Zoom. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. So should we get Let's to our guests? Because we're talking about things really retro. Yeah. Well, here's what I wanted to do because we started talking about these things retro, such as the Zoom, which again, I had one, but I wouldn't have bought it. So, right. but there are things that have lasted, like the game of life. Mm -hmm. Since the 1800s, Monopoly. like eight, the life was out in like 19, 1862 or something like that. Is that true? Around. Yeah. Is that, is that the correct? Yeah, you uh, could die. There was, it was a very different game back then. Um, come on. We, are you making this up? No. I feel like, like this is an SNL or this should be an SNL sketch. No, it's a, it's, it's not that the, the, the life I'll, I'll look it up while you guys are doing it, but the life in the game of life back in the old days, you could like get murdered and like die of, you know, Malaria and stuff like, the, like Oregon. the Appalachian Trail, the Oregon yeah. Trail, like yeah. that old computer game, right? Where you're like, oh, you've gotten malaria. Yeah. Eh, you're dead. Yeah, but it's been, that, that game's been around since the mid 1800s. And you have mentioned to me many times on this show and on the Cliff Dorfman show about growing up Mormon and having game nights. Yeah, more, the family home evenings. Yeah, we did a lot of that. Um, uh, it was yeah. a very, it was a staple. Right? It was a part of your life. Yeah, it's part of, it's part of like that whole, you know, the whole thing. Culture. Is, is what do what that. games would you play? Well, we, you know, my family, like I said, this was always the envy. This is why I became Mormon. Um, this is the reason I chose to like make that decision when I was a kid, not mm -hmm. something that I got to participate in directly. We played lots of board games when I was a kid. Um, me and my friend, Sui, uh, uh, who I grew up with, he's a couple years older. And so he's kind of like my baby. <laughs> no, it's, uh, 
It wasn't spelled that way. It's uh, his name I'm is, just saying I don't know how it's spelled. That's I don't want to get into it because it's like a it's not. Korean guy. Uh, I am very interested though. But let's uh, for another yeah. launching point. Stewie and I would. He was a couple years older, so I think my mom like treated him as a babysitter, my best friend. But we'd play Trivial Pursuit um, all day until we knew the questions by heart. Monopoly, chess, uh, life. Um, all these games. We played board games all the time. Um, just the two of us, I didn't learn to play like three-player versions of Monopoly till much later. Um, but we played tons of board games. Um, and uh, even up in, you know, I still play board games. We, we bought, a, you know, bought a few different ones and we've been playing. This isn't a board game really, but we've been playing a lot of Munchkin around the house um, and some other, you know. Yeah, Munchkin games. was in the documentary the, yeah. that we're about to talk about. And just a little sidebar to Jason's story. It wasn't until years later that uh, at an awkward party moment that Jason realized that Trivial Pursuit was not played taking your clothes off when you miss yeah. a question. Yeah, yeah which is me and my friends. <laughs> um, he's like, wait, that's not how you play this game? <laughs> okay, so our guest has made this documentary called, no, do you want to rebut? To that before I because I oh love no my my well, I'll deal with my sister later but my sister Stephanie Dossie is um, letting everybody know that I, I couldn't win a monopoly and it's not that I couldn't win I was conspired against they wouldn't let me win that's that's the truth but we'll get into that later because I have a and whole is, bunch to deal with there um, I really want to you know let's let's so let's good, move we can on and talk about the okay game. but why we bring all this up is because our guest today Charles. Mersey. Mers. Mersey. Mers. We just talked about this. Yeah, but you- I know, but you know how bad I am with this. That's why I had to check three times because he spells it M-R-U-Z, but it's Mers, M-R-Z. He's got a funny story Mers. about it, by the way. Mers. Mers. Right now yeah. it's easy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But when you have to be the first one to say it and you break the air cherry, it's a whole different thing. Break the air cherry is the gross uh, thing you've said today. I bet. I bet you have something grosser. PM Cliffdorf Manning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess me... <laughs> Shut up. Did I just tell you to shut up? That is so not me. I have to apologize to you. I never say shut up to anyone. That's so rude. No, Jason. Normally just say fuck you. <laughs> but I didn't want to use my F-bomb. But I do apologize because I would never tell you to shut up. Or anyone I care about. Actually, who would use that term? That term should be taken out of the vernacular. So that being said, our guest today and why we talk about board games, he made this compelling and fascinating documentary called Game Masters. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is about the creators of these board games. So without any further, further ado, I'd like to bring on our guest today, Charles. Go ahead, Mers. Jason. Mers. Mers. Charles Mers, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How's it going? How's it going? Very well. Thank you for being here today. So it is, it is Mers, and it yes. is actually, it is, it's Game Master Singular, not Game Masters. I was worried about that because the pet. Oh, I can't say it. But you, there was a. It's game master. That's correct. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, by the way, it came out today on iTunes. So I love it, this documentary. Well, thank great. you for making it. So let's get a little into it because. Let's do it. I have a lot of questions for you. It, yeah. I want to get a little deep right away because the okay. first thing when you open up the documentary, you give us this reason because you saw an article on you know in the paper saying there was a guy who created a game. And you're like, I didn't even know this was a profession, which is a really cool way into it. But it feels to me there's a stronger connection to this subject matter and why you ended up in this world. So I guess this question would be twofold. It would be, why did you end up in this world? And also, what was the documentary you went in to shoot? And is it the same one you ended up with? You know, that's a, it's a really interesting question. First of all, I should say that the person speaking at the beginning of the documentary is actually Scott Rogers, the guy who... Uh, made the space game in the movie Regans and Rocket Ships. Oh, um, I like yeah, that as him. He's great. Yeah. Um, but you know, that that article that he's talking about, it's about uh Marvin Glass, the creator of Mousetrap and a lot of other classic games. He was, you know, the guy back in the day. You know, that's a real article that was in the Saturday Evening Post uh, a while ago and um you know, it's, it's the Stan it's, Lee of games, right? Of board games. In, you know, you could say that. You know, he he's yeah. the one who kind of like um, turned into a, a, a business at that time, a mass market of, you know, it was mostly geared towards children and toys and stuff like that. But, you know, he did a lot of great stuff. And, um, the reason that, you know, I, I decided to be into the, in this world is, is, um, me and one of the producers, Jimmy Nguyen, you know, he and I love board games. Um, you know, we, we played a lot of them and he had made two documentaries prior. Uh, and, 
you know, we were just hanging out and we, we, we knew it was a subject we both loved. And, and he knows from experience that if you're going to make a documentary, you have to be in love with the subject. Otherwise, yeah. you will run out. You will run out of steam. Documentaries yeah. take a long time. I've been reminded multiple times today on the day of its release that this took like four years to make. And so I was just going to say, it's like a, the hoop <laughs> yeah. dreams of board games was what it, you made it, here. It, it, it follows these creators for almost half a decade through these, you know, uh, conventions and failures and diseases and, you know, the realization of what it is to even make a successful game. So tell me what you end up with and what you start out to get. You know, well, let me just say something else yeah, first. You know, it's funny that you say that because I remember when I was younger and hoop dreams came out and I, and yeah. I, heard about heard about you know oh they follow these kids through four years and i when i remember thinking as a kid like man that is so much time and now that i'm on this side of it i'm like wow this was uh, this this flew by you know but anyway um so when you make a documentary i think i think it's it's healthy to to have a plan commit to the plan and then after you see what what is that what you actually have what you're actually working with you just be ready to throw the plan away at, at any second. So, you know, a lot of it is the same, but a lot of it's different. And I, you know, I'd have to go back and look at my, uh, my notes from four years ago to even, um, to you know even started with, yeah, yeah. You know, but as, as journey, yeah, as things develop though, you, you learn more, you get access to more people. You know, one of the things that I've said is that, you know, if it, whatever subject you're making a documentary on, go to where those people are talk to them and listen to what they have to say. And they will tell you, maybe not directly, but they will tell you what your documentary should be about. That is great, great advice. And I think that also it connects very well into this world that you've captured, which is the subculture of game making, because they can't do it without each other. It's very much, I noticed, like acting. They can't Mm -hmm. do it without these, you know, without playing the game thousands of times and getting all these real time notes. Tell tell us a little about this process and, and, you know, it's like rewarding and it doesn't pay shit. No, no. Well, like, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of the designers who've been in the industry for, for a long time, they will tell you if you're worried about money, you should find something else to do because the bow tie guy said, yeah, that. yes. Bow tie guy. It's fun. You know, that's, that's the biggest Reiner, Reiner Knizia. Um, yes. But he is also known as Bowtie Guy. Um, <laughs> for me, you know, because he was the biggest Well, no, character. honestly, for, for everybody. Everybody okay, refers to him. It's like, hey, okay, yeah, Bowtie Guy. It's not just me. No, no, everybody. Um, everybody <laughs> had a nickname in this, and, and you know, his was Bowtie Guy. But, you know, it's you got to do it because you love it. You got to do it because, in a way, you're called to do it. Because you, even if you have a successful, what would be considered a successful first game, you are not going to make a living off of that game, you know? Um, not at all. That no. was, was mind blowing to me. I was doing my, you know, uh, my, you know, my math in my head, I my yeah. quick math. And I was mm-hmm. like on a, on these successful games, like what's the woman, was it Q, Q, uh, uh, Quirkle. Quirkle. Right. And yes. she sold 3 million copies and I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, maybe she took home half a million dollars. You know what I mean? And do that in real time math. It's like, you got nothing left after two years. And taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. And these are games that are iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you heard um, the, the the creator of Settlers of Catan. Uh, his name is Klaus Teuber. He's Before the one who he works with his family, correct? With yes, correct. Sons, yes, which I yep. loved. Right. He made. Um, you know, he he won the biggest award in the industry three times. And it wasn't until he made Catan where he said, I think I can quit my regular job. That you know? blew my mind. Yeah. That blew my mind. And when the guy you were following, I don't want to give anything away, but there was a guy mm-hmm. you were following and he does, you know, he gets a thing. And he was saying, well, now one of the other creators was saying, well, now I think he can maybe live off this if he wants to. He won't. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, I, I think yeah. he could. And that to me was like, oh, like, that is not what we and these people are creating games. OK. Let me not get ahead of myself. Hmm. Family. Yeah. It seems to be an integral part of what you've, I don't know if you stumbled upon or what. It starts with, you know, all of these creators and a lot of them have the family involved in this business. Yes. A lot of them do. You know, uh, it, it goes back to what I said earlier about, about, you know, going to the places, seeing what you have to work with. And we found that um, a lot of people in one way or another were working with their family or they were, you know, in one of the characters um, 
you know, uh, his cases, it was a, the game was kind of born out of what her family expects of her, you know, and that um, was something that was mind blowing. Let me just tell our listeners a little, a little batch about that. There is a Pakistani woman who created a game called Arranged. And from this game, she has become a pundit. She's back in America. This is a fabulous story. Please tell us a little more about her. Go on. But well, I just was excited. Yeah. Well, Nasher Balagamwala, you know, she, um, she's a Pakistani girl and, and, you know, it's traditional to have arranged marriages there. And she, at a very young age, she said, this is not for me. And I'm going to figure out how to not, not be a part of this. <laughs> so she, she went to school in Rhode Island to, to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. Um, and there she was tasked with creating a game. And she's like, well, let me, let me do something that is of myself. And she created a game about avoiding arranged marriages. And it's, it's, you know, spectacular. And, and one of the things, um, one of the, the, parts of the movie is kind of her family's reaction and, you know, expectations of, of her and, you know, how, you know, all that stuff. And so that, that's, that's one of the ways that family plays into it. You don't have to, they don't have to be directly related to, to the, to the business side of it, you know? Well, I feel like what you've also discovered here and, and what was kind of a light bulb moment for me is that this is art. This is just as much art as any other medium. You know, these comic Absolutely. book people, they're creating things and, and they're working with these subjects sometimes for a decade without even getting them out there. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're with any with any form of, of art and I'm, you know, quotations, but with any form mm-hmm. of art, you know, your your best resource is yourself. So what can you do? that is of yourself because that is what nobody else can offer. And, um, you know, we were lucky enough to find a lot of people who, who fit that, you know, found, found ways to express themselves through board games. Hey, Jason. Hey, I was just going to say, um, I, uh, I made video games before I started being an awesome, like very compelling, uh, uh, radio personality. Yeah. And, um, You're always compelling, Jason. Yeah, uh, but but when before we make games, we'd make board game versions of them. If you can't do this, the board game was an integral part of our design mechanic. Like you, if you couldn't figure out the rule set as a like a as a in a game, you we we you couldn't make it as a you know as a Grand Theft Auto or no, yep, off the board. Ah. So you just jumped in to say that. Great. Because by the way, that's very interesting. No, no, no. He knows exactly when I'm about to segue. That's why he does ah, it. And I see. It, it's an unspoken thing. But what he just did was super interesting because it goes into from video game. You you also, again, I don't want to say stumbled because I feel like everything was very, you know, orchestrated. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes there was some stumbling. You know, there's there's some stumbling <laughs> and you get lucky. And then the times you don't get lucky, you cut that out. And then, you know, that's that. The happy accidents. And yeah. The ones, you know, aren't they? You cut. Okay, but... Why he talks also about video games, which was compelling, was the game Thug Life. Now you have you you got yeah. into this thing, which is like in the gaming community, it is majority white. They're, they're it is creating, and and this was the thing. Like, who even thought about this? Could you just talk a little about that and what you found? Well, you know, just if you go to the places and you look around, and it is a lot of of white males. Um, and over the past five years. Uh, it has changed. There's, it's not as like, you know, I'm sure like 10 years ago, if you went to any of those conventions, it was like 90%, but it it is a lot different. Something that is not different as of yet is um, the people on the other side, the designers, the designers are, it is not quite transferred over there yet. It is, it is only in the last few years started to make a shift where, more people from from different walks of life are coming to the hobby um and you know that could be for a myriad of reasons um you know like income and just kind of like what you grew up with and you know every, uh, there's many reasons why that could be but um you know well, you it, had well let me just say you had the one of the designers in there that designed a game called thug life and he didn't yeah. want to say it i guess he was worried about getting sued or whatever but you know for me i can say it you know it's very much why is this any different than grand theft auto where you're seeing all these gangsters killing and having sex and all these things but my game with these miniatures that's supposed to get kids out of the street and playing a game about the streets as opposed to being in the streets why is that getting bumped why, why, why play Thug Life over, over Grand Theft Auto? Well, no, no, no. What he's saying is I have a problem making this game because of the way I'm depicting oh, these I characters understand. in this world. But in the other world of video games, we can have, you know, we're not seeing the same representation. And we're also not seeing in the game pieces. All the pieces are white. There's not a lot of women pieces, et cetera. 
you know, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly why in, in a, some, somebody who is much smarter than me could probably tell you uh, <laughs> a reason why, but you know, my guess is it was so, it's so different than anything else in the space that maybe people just, just responded like, yeah, oh, I can't. Yeah. Okay. I found it interesting. I have to say, but mm-hmm. what I found more interesting was the fact that there was very little to no representation in the game community. Yes. And I actually think that people on the other side of it have only started to realize this problem in the last five, five or so years. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, board games are interesting because just by the very nature of how they function, you need another person to play. So because of that, most uh, people who play board games and most gaming communities are very welcoming. And um, we talked to people and I, like they found that the people that were coming to play were the same kind of people. And so it, it, they, I think a lot of people who work in the business have said it's not enough to just be just say anyone is welcome. We have to to make them go take extra steps to make them feel welcome. Um, if you, if you listen to Eric Lang in the documentary, um, you know, he was talking about, well, you know, what does that mean? You know, we, we want, why would you not want to grow your market to these different areas? And what that means is having different people behind the scenes, uh, because their default is different. Um, and so it's, it's going to feel more natural. It's going to inherently make different types of people feel more welcome in that community. Well, listen. Okay, so let's let's pivot a little to these creators, right? So they're they're putting, they're, they're all working other jobs. I mean, is, mm-hmm. is there any plan? Like, what have you found as far as like? Uh, look, I didn't see much in monetary gain. So, so what is what is pushing them? And and how, uh, you know, how can they? What's the organization like? Because it seems like there is none. Well, what is pushing them is just it's. They, let me, they let me refine this for a second okay. so I don't make it as broad for you. Yeah. Because I, I know what I want to say or what yeah. I ask. For example, if I want to do this, I can do this. I can go on YouTube and I can get a distributor. You know, if a yeah, yeah, game yeah. wants to do it, they have Kickstarter or yes. a regular distributor. And social media at all of this helps them almost not. Uh-huh. Correct? Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's not a big it's not a big push, whereas you see in most other medias, right? No, no, not, not really. It's, you know, there, there was, uh, I think Scott Rogers, uh, one of the subjects of the movie said, it's interesting because he found that board game players are obsessed with the new. They're really, they're really excited about one thing for a second and then it goes away. And you know, the stuff that sticks around for five or six years or longer, that's, those are like the real, like, you know, home runs. Right. But what, what are these creators? In other words, I understand that they're in this, like all of us, if you're in the arts, you got to do it because you got to yeah. do it. Right. We have no yeah. real choice. But it seems to me there is no there there for these creators other than their game gets recognized. And yeah. I'm not saying that's not huge, but I'm saying like there is no pot of gold. That's it's not I don't always really true. OK, it's so not, please tell not, me the alternative. Well, okay. So there are some very rare, and it is essentially like winning a lottery. Like <laughs> code code names is a game that came out of nowhere and it is at target. Now it won the game of the year award and it feels like it's just a staple and it's been around forever. Doing that is not impossible, but it's right. highly unlikely. And what I think is the more realistic goal is that you know, these, these, these people, they love the feeling that they got when they played the game and they want to right. give that feeling to someone else. And if they can do that three, four, five, six times, maybe they can start to, you know, reach a goal where it is their job. And I think that is kind of the, the long-term plan. Well, we saw that in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, the gentleman who, um, created the national parks game mm-hmm. and, you know, he just said, I want to be in this business, you know, by, yeah. you know, when he got to that point, he's like, whatever it's going to be, I'm just going to be here and do this and exist in this space. Yeah. I feel like that's what most of them are doing. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, you know, we cut something out and mm-hmm. I was really sad to cut it out. Um, Good, tell us but it just, it just didn't fit. But, uh, Eric Lang, who's mm-hmm. like nothing short of a genius talked about, how you're either a uh, businessman, a rock star, or oh gosh, what was the first one? An artist, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're an artist, you want you know you, it's your art, and that that matters more above everything else. If you're a businessman, you want to make money doing it. 
And if you are a rock star, you just want to be one of those guys. You know, you want to be associated. You want to be associated with, with the craft. You want to be associated with, with games. And, you know, um, Eric Lang said, he's one of those guys, obviously the person who you said, I want to be in the industry, Charlie Bink, he's, he's one of those guys. He just wants to be one of those guys, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people in the game industry probably want to be one of those guys. Yeah. I, I just, I, again, I, I mean, you know, you spent a lot of years around this almost half a decade, you know, the, the creators of these games, while they're, they feel, it feels like they're, you know, they're, they're beating these insurmountable odds to have anything made, you know, it doesn't, you know, I, I don't feel like, I feel like every little bit of it's bittersweet, which is what I love so much about it because they don't care. They just want to make the game. I mean, did you stay in touch with any of them? Oh, I talked to all of them all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I texted all, I texted everybody yesterday in, in preparation for the release. Um, and, uh, the world. oh yeah, you know, um, the, the four newer designers, I talked to all four of them regularly. Um, the, the guy who works with his sons, I don't, I don't talk to him so much, but I talked to his sons via email and oh, yeah. one of them still lives in Germany. Um, and the other one handles a lot of the U S stuff. He lives up in the Bay area. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you know, You're ensconced in the world. So let me ask you what, growing up though, what was your favorite? What would you play? What was your, uh, gosh, you know, you know, I, I feel lame because <laughs> growing up, I played, I didn't play a lot of these games. I think my favorite probably, was probably Scrabble, which I still enjoy. But a lot of these, was, you know, newer, um, more strategic, a little bit more, you know, involved games. I did not play a lot of them. I didn't probably didn't start playing them until I was about 20, early 20s. And I loved this game called Puerto Rico then. And in fact, if you ask um, one of the producers, Jimmy, if Puerto Rico wasn't a thing, if that wasn't a game, this documentary might not exist because that was kind of the game. That was one of the ones, I mean, it was in my closet and I was like, Hey, you know, let's play this game. And I hadn't touched it for probably three years. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And then, you know, and then it just, it, it snowballed into, into where we are today. And how about now? So now are you just like playing everything? Oh yeah. I play, I play everything. I, so I play everything right now, right now, you know, my favorite, one of my favorites, and it will always be one of my favorites, is this game called Dominion. Um, it's a mm. card game, but the reason I love Dominion is because um, with the different expansions, <clears throat> and even with just the base game, there's you, you switch out cards, you only play with like 10 different cards at one time, but there are a bunch of different cards that you can play with, and they're interchangeable. So there's literally a million variations that, yeah, and there's you know, striking points on them, right? Like there's yeah. a number of points on what you can use. Yeah, kind kind of like I that. Think yeah. I played this game. I, yeah. I, you know, I would know, but I'm a scatterbrain with that stuff. So I'm like, That's it was it. a card game, and but it was it lasted hours. Is this it probably wasn't Dominion then. Dominion okay. is probably about a, a 20 minute game, 20, 20, 25 minute game. Yeah. Okay. But gotcha. it, but it, it also the rules are on the card. That's another reason I love it because when you're teaching it to somebody else, it's like, well, you know, what do I do? It's like, well, read the card. There it is. Well, you just hit upon something else, which I wanted to ask you about, which oh, is okay. you know, the rules. This yeah. was a very interesting part of the documentary that I had never given a third or second or first thought to. Uh, what What is the deal? It feels like it's the most important part of the game. And if they don't figure that out, they don't have a game. That's that's absolutely right. You know, um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, rule book language, you're writing this document. And the document almost by nature has to be a little bit boring because it's so precise and it has to deal with every single, you know, possibility because, you know, think about if you're playing one of these games, there's, there's inevitably going to be a time in the middle of the game where you're like, well, can you do that? And then someone's got to, I don't know, it says draw a card, right? It says draw a card, but do they mean draw a card or they want two cards? Like everything is so precise. Everyone draw a card or (laughs) anyone draw a card. I don't know. Like, you know, these questions are very, but the precision of this, right? So, so in these years that you spent there, was it a a major amount of time you found these people spending on just figuring out the freaking rules? You know, it's yes, but not in the way that you're talking about what okay. they, what you're, um, what you're kind of talking about would be considered like play testing. And it was less about rules and more about what works in the game. Because sometimes, you know, uh, every designer is going to tell you, you bring it, you bring a, a game to the table for the first time and it will almost inevitably fall apart immediately in ways it's broken in ways that you ha- could never even 
think about and imagine beforehand. You would never see Yeah, no, no. And then, but immediately somebody else whose brain works a little bit differently than yours, they start playing it and they start doing stuff that you don't want them to do. And so that, you know, then you got to go back and write a rule. Oh, can't do that. You know? Yeah, they found a different way to play it that you didn't even see. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, do I scrap this? Do I go into it? Do I fix it? Et cetera. Yeah. I, I mean, me and um, some of the people involved in the documentary actually have had the good fortune of becoming close with the Exploding Kittens people. And we've mm. play tested some of their games. And, you know, they <laughs> there's there's been one or two where they've been like, oh, yep, we see it. And we're going to we're going to change things. Yeah, you know, they, they changed how. The, very the, much based on this, on people's responses. They need and have to have the feedback. It's like oxygen is feedback. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it would be impossible. It would be impossible for a game to be any good without multiple minds trying to play it from different angles and in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just you're, you're not going to create a, a good game or anything of quality or anything playable without that. Yeah. I, I have a question. Um, I bought this game called Gloomhaven. Have you heard of it? I've heard of a Gloomhaven. Yes. And it weighs heard of uh, everything now. Jason. Yeah. Right, well, it's very pop, but it's, it weighs like it legitimately weighs 45 pounds. Like the whole yes. box is filled with everything. How much and was it, by the way? I'm curious. It's like, a, it was like a hundred bucks or two. It was not cheap, but yeah, it that, might but be that's what's more. interesting. I bought it it's very specifically to play with the family. Um, you know, after I got them through Munchkin and Settlers of Catan and all that stuff, I wanted to go up another level. But with this particular game, um, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, it's not, it's a cooperative game. And there's a lot of these. We have a couple other ones around the house, Pandemic, which nobody will play with me. And, uh, <laughs> and the reason yeah, that they just seems it, That's no, Sorry, you're not playing one. You're not playing against uh, each other. It's not competitive. It's cooperative. So you win the game or lose the game together. Um, I just this is your opinion on that. It's it's been a really hard sell for my family to play these games where you don't have a winner. <laughs> so is there, is there a lot of like pent up tension in your family where this is the only way they could take it out? Like oh, you know, by back each other? Yeah, maybe a little bit, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, it's definitely just it an good. trend in games. We, you know, I'm used to it from Dungeons and Dragons and all the, you know, the different variations from Car Wars on, but mm-hmm. they're not. And so I was just wondering, is this, you know, you see this trend that a lot of these very popular games are cooperative games like that. You know, I love I love some cooperative games and um, just like anything, you know, some other ones are I, I've liked less. But, you know, I, and somebody else likes those, you know, like some of them are perfect for a family environment. People of different skill levels working together. It's it's a it's a, a learning um, you know, tool both to work with somebody else and just different strategies about how to go on things and just have a debate, have a discussion. Uh, another one that I, I love is called the mind. And that is where you have to kind of communicate what number you have without any verbal communication, without talking, Seven. you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, Seven. there's, there are a lot of great cooperative games yeah. and it okay, is fun what, to win. what I'm curious. And I think uh, Jason, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it, do you see the trend moving more toward cooperative games or do you see the trend still being, it's gotta be a competition. No. Someone's got to win some shit. I, I think it's always going to be mostly a competition. Um, but because of pandemic, know, because just... pandemic was such a huge hit, there was, uh, I heard Matt Leacock, the creator of pandemic say, you know, there was a big rise in the number of cooperative games that, that came out the next couple of years. Um, and, so just because there's more cooperative games doesn't mean there's less of the other games. There's still, you know, there's still going to be mostly those. Well, do you guys want to play with me? Because I have this big box of game that nobody will play with me at the house. I kind of uh, want to play. But, you know, you said about the competition thing. Like, I played Dungeons & Dragons. That was my first foray into board games. I was never a dungeon master. But, you know, you played against the dungeon master. Like, you still were beating somebody, even though it might have been cooperative in you and I or the yeah. three of us playing. You're, yeah. Volley up a you have a bully of a game master. <laughs> Dungeon well, master is mean. You always, always looked at them as just the, the storyteller. I didn't ever think of them. As, I thought of them as a passive, like, person. No choices. You know, I'll tell you something interesting about, about Dungeons & Dragons is that uh, we, don't, we don't cover it a lot in the documentary because we quickly found out, like, this is its own giant thing. And to do a whole to, other documentary. To even, to even touch on it would do a disservice to it. But something that we found out was that Almost like close to a hundred percent of the designers played when they were younger, and because it's about it's about problem solving, it's about you know um, imagination, you know different. You're not restricted. You're not you know you're not playing on a board. You just you're just 
imagining things and thinking of different solutions. And that's kind of what a game designer is, you know? And so it was, a, there was a huge correlation between people who played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. and then went on to, to, to create their own game. Yeah. Dave Arneson taught my, uh, my game rules class. Huh? He's one of the co-founders. Yeah. Yeah. He that taught all these games that I learned about. I didn't, you know, I also didn't play like very indie, you know, indie games. I didn't know about them. I bought like tons of games, like that had like random board pieces where things could explode and stuff. And, <laughs> You know, everything from Scrabble to like random Star Wars games where they were like walking across the Sarlacc pit kind of stuff where you had to do a lot of stuff. Oh, I had that game. Yeah, that game was, <laughs> or at least I thought it was back in the day. Well, you know, I, I you know, I, I had, I had the game at one point and then I had like very shortly after that, I had half the game because I was young, young kid. <laughs> so a lot same. of pieces got lost. Exactly the same. Yeah. But I, I played a lot of more mainstream games and it was Dave and, and who showed me Munchkin and showed me, you know, what is nuclear war and, Settlers of Catan and all these games and really opened up and then really taught us how to, you know, when we're making video games, how to, you have to do all the things, the QC that you're talking about, it applies across the board, but it's also all this stuff applies to game theory. It's turned into stuff that's, it's really extended beyond the board game. It's expended into, you know, how people run businesses at this point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's, um, I think, I, gosh, I wish I could remember it, but I, I, there were some, some articles about, using Dungeons and Dragons as like a training program to like work together and problem solve. Mm-hmm. Well, what I want to also ask you about, and, and you know, I, I don't know if you found any of this or didn't is, is technology, right? So two mm-hmm. things, technology, how is it going to affect the game, the board game industry in the short and long run? Second part of that question is, will we start to see some tech inside the board games? So that second question has been asked for years. And I'm not the first. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. and you know, technology has developed um, since that question has been asked, and <laughs> nobody's really found a great way to incorporate uh, technology into a game, um, as far as being part of the game, like necessary. There is one game that comes to mind, and it's called Where Words, and that's because you're prompted off of a phone. You need to download an app and uh, read off the app and then you do something with the pieces. And it, it, that's all, that game's a lot of fun. I like it a lot, but mm-hmm. one way that technology is direct directly affecting, you know, uh, the board game industry is the phone app versions and iPad app versions of the game, you know, um, cause you can play against the computer. You don't need another person to play, right? You, you check it out. Like I remember ticket to ride, especially that was one of the big stories is that, they didn't want to originally do a ticket to ride app because it was much cheaper than the game. They thought no one would buy the game. Well, people bought the app. They tried it. They loved it. And the opposite happened. Everybody went out and bought the game so they could play the real game. And I think that is something that still happens. Oh, that's interesting. And the app they're giving, excuse me, they're giving away the apps for free. Are there in-game purchases? No, no, no. They, they, they most, most, Phone versions of board games cost anywhere between, you know, one, two dollars up to ten. Oh, wait, let's yeah. just stop right there for a second. Yeah. That is a completely yeah. different thing than every other app. But most apps, they would just want you in and then they start charging. You. You're saying no, no, no. there's, the there's old school rules. There's a lot of there's a lot of R&D that went into all the, the, the making of the game and probably the making of the app. And so they they are charging for them. But the good ones, very, very worth it. Really to play on your phone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I play, I play board games on my phone all the time. I used to play settlers all the time, just like on flights and, uh, on, on a phone app or on an on iPad app? app. Yeah. On a phone on an iPad app. Yeah. Um, and then how do you feel? Do you feel like a, like hearthstone? Do you think of that as a bar, board game or, um, those card no, based like magic? Yeah. I mean, anything, anything on the table, they, they, they don't say board games anymore. They say tabletop yeah. probably to include, you know, card games yeah. so that you know because someone's going to be like oh there's no board and then you know it's like well you know you know and just to speak on it a little bit because like you know my wife likes magic the gathering but she doesn't have any cards she likes to play it on the internet hearthstone's an example of a game that couldn't exist without the technology because of all the rule changes that occur by with all the multipliers on the cards it'd be very challenging to play a game like that at home um with real cards even though it's set with a you know as a tabletop game um, so that technology really improves the ability for it to like add some dynamicness to the the cards. You know, I got to say, I, I am not familiar with that one. I will have to check it out. Mm, that's, 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 not, that's on my list now. <laughs> ah, well, uh, here, okay, but wait, I want to hang on, Jason. I, I mean, hang out, like don't leave. I, I, 
For those of you who are just listening, if you're watching the live video, Jason will pop in and out of the interview. Right now, we're just split on a three screen. You know, it's just three screen. Look, you, you get it. Anyway, look, now, look I'm, I, we can do whatever I want. I'm flipping the it. versions. We're doing different math, golden ratio stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the three of us right now. I'm telling Jason to hang on. So, so let's just talk to me like, you know, a dummy. So I want to buy a board game on an app. I'm paying mm-hmm. for the board game. Now, can I play with my parents in New York? Yeah, if they have it too, you can. And that's part of that's part of the appeal. Like you can play oh, I can have with, with anybody that. wherever. That's right. Yeah. And you know, during this time when when we can't be in the same room, I've played a lot of board games via phone, via via internet. Yeah. That's yes. how I've been getting my fix. <laughs> right on. Well, I love I, this. Go ahead, Jess. Nothing. I just wanted to see if you guys would be cool with, you know, because we're we're getting to the end toward the end of this. If I could play the uh, promo, the the. Um... Oh yes, please. Let's play it. I love this. Okay. Cool. And yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, I no, don't you know, it's yes. I, you know, I think I think we should do it. Right. Okay. I'm in then. Here, let's do this. Right, final cut goes to Charles. Let's do this. Oh, gravitas puts out good stuff. There has never been a better time to go make a game. The first time you get to hold something you make in your hands, that's the best feeling. These are uh, Scott's book of great ideas. Mm. I think I'm up to about 30 now. A tabletop menopause. It's a $3 billion industry and every year it grows. My dad was always inspired by stories and gave birth to the to the game. When I realized the game, I can live from Patan and my family can live from Patan. It was um, yeah, freedom from. There's conventions and awards, and now independent designers can get into the action without game publishers because of the invention of things like crowdfunding. And I looked at that whole ecosystem and I thought, oh man, I want to play too. Originally, our goal on Kickstarter was, okay, let's try to raise $10,000. That'll be our goal. We hit that in seven minutes. The worst thing you can do as a game designer is fall in love with one of the designs which people work. I'm putting in a position of people coming to me and saying, this is my grandchild. And I say, well, let me tell you about your grandchild. I would say we went through hundreds of versions of Exploding Kittens. And every time we test it out and find another three things that we messed up. You know, I'm like a 14, 15-year-old kid playing D&D with like some 50-year-old lady. Really colorful characters of all sexes, all backgrounds, all nationalities. There was always the expectation that as a young Pakistani girl, I would get married by the time I'm 20. That's why I'm always trying to create work that can make the world a better place. If it hadn't been board games, I'd have been around the streets with a lot of other knuckleheads. You actually have to get as much creative output as you can out there. 99% of them are gonna suck, but there's always little nuggets that you learn from until something good comes out. I'm hoping that with this game, someone else will be inspired to be like, I can break free too. The main thing that I want is to be in this industry. If the world doesn't play games, then we don't need any game designers anymore, and the world would be certainly a much sadder place. It's a lot of fun. It would be a sadder place. I, I have to agree with that. <laughs> I, uh, I think that every game company needs one quirky German that sounds very serious but wears a tie filled with rainbows. Um, in order, yeah, no. Reiner's got the exclusive on the bow tie in the, in the game industry. Yeah. Every time I watch him, I just think of the, this is the time in Sprockets when we dance. <laughs> Sorry, old SNL reference. Okay, so download this thing right now. Watch it, buy it, rent it. This game master on iTunes. And here's the thing: even if you don't like board games, this is about family. You know, what? that's really what this is about. If you don't like board games, you just haven't played enough board games. I think. I think that you need to give another board game a Call chance. Jason. So yeah. let me let me hit on that for a second. You know, Please, um, go ahead. when when I was, you know, at the very beginning of this, you, know, you got to kind of say, who are you making this for? And I, I made a lot of I put a lot of effort into making it enjoyable for people who don't really like board games. You know, at the very least, it's yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. You defeat, you know, you, you don't like board games, but I you enjoy the movie. I like them. I just don't. Well, like, you don't you play know, them. Don't you don't. You know, right. But, exactly. But I it, is, it is games and I love the movie. It is an enjoyable watch for everybody. If you do like them, if you don't like them, we, we get. I've heard from a lot of people on both sides, and a lot of people say it's a great watch, and you know that that makes me very happy. Yeah, it's a great Indeed. movie. 
and it's very it made me happy to watch. Yeah, and that's that's what it is. There's there's a happiness to it. There's a joy. There's a there's an optimism to it that that makes you know that I think I really need. <laughs> Imagine if your life wasn't about money, you know, and fame. It was about just making something that everyone loved. Yeah. And knowing you're probably not going to get paid that much for it. Yeah, I keep telling. I feel, them, I, geez, I feel like I'm living that right now. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> it must be a documentary film. Yeah. yeah, I give that same speech to Cliff every day before we start the show too. So it's the same thing. We're all in the same boat here. I love it, Charles. Thank you so much for being here, and well, congratulations again on Game Master. Thank you, and thanks for having me, guys. Thank Absolutely. you. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes, Charles. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, and that's. It's, I love the uh, audio. Yeah, trying. I'm trying to do a little more clapping. I feel I like, like we, need more, we need more cheers. I love, yeah. I love this movie. I love the games that they're talking about. It's, you know, and I really do mean this. I think that if you give certain board games a chance and try out some of this stuff, you think you know what it is because, you know, maybe all you've watched, played is Monopoly against, uh, you know, a family that conspired right. against you. Oh, yeah. Or, they all cheat, right? To make sure you lose. Why are, yeah. you, are you that good? Is that no, what it is? No, I'm that smarmy. I'm a very nice person and I'm very joyful. But when you put me in front of a Monopoly board, I get smarmy as hell. You, I start you role I start play. Really you take role play to the next level. Even if I'm not doing anything uh, gross, I make it feel like it's gross. Like, I like to like buy stuff, but I like to buy it all in ones just to like make them count it kind of stuff. Like, I like to play it gross. You're like no, Michael no. Shannon in that movie about mortgages where you foreclosed on people. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, You're it, like that guy, like, give me your hotel and your house. Yeah, be like, oh, that's this? Well, you, can just, you know what you could do head. is you could just trade me this, and it'll be a perfectly good deal, but the way I yeah, say it yeah. makes it sound awful. Um, give me that, and I'm going to own you. But when I got introduced to some, you know, like when we played Munchkin, when me and my daughter and my wife first played Munchkin, it was one of those things where it's like, it was almost to the point where like, we can't play more Munchkin. Um, and my daughter loved exploding kittens, you know, to the point where you can't really have as much fun with that in, uh, with two people as mm -hmm. you could with like three or four a group, but we'd still, you know, she'd come in and like, we're going to play this all day. You know, we play, you know, where, you know, board games that aren't really aren't board games so much, but they are like uh, Jackbox on the Xbox. Was um, there a game called penny something? I don't know. Maybe With cards. I don't know. Maybe my friend Dave, uh, my dear friend Dave Clark. He's a big board game guy. Like he goes to the store. He'll play D and D. Like he's. By the mm -hmm. way, I think I'll tell you two things. I think first thing I think is that he should, his second documentary should be all about D and D. Oh, Delve into that world yeah. for the next four years. That's a great world. I mean, that's an insane world. I mean, there's so many different people. Yeah. Um, we we have a couple. Uh, you know, Dungeon Master. We did a lot of D and D on Harmontown and all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah, that's a whole interesting world. Um, but yeah, well, that's the first thing I think. Here's the second thing I think this whole, I never gave this a second thought, but this whole creator thing with, with games, right. With these board games or table games is what they're called right now. I said, correct. Tabletop, tabletop, games. tabletop, right. So tabletop games, cause some games don't have a board. I feel like let's, let's take him, put him with Dan. Uh, I want to say Flanagan, but we know it's not. What is it? The guy uh, from Lanigan. prop culture. Lanigan. It's just Lanigan. Lanigan. Yeah, without an F. Right. It, it, he should change his name. What, what we should do now, you know, it, I, I think that she's not here today, but Nancy should make a game where um, she just drinks every time you mispronounce somebody's name to their face. Oh, I mean, at this point, we're going to turn poor Nancy into a, an absolute alcoholic based on my misgivings and shortcomings. If she was to take a shot every time I mispronounced a word or just forgot what I was saying and like midway, she'd also be completely wasted. I feel like, oh, here's the second thing I was going to say. I think okay. the first thing I said was the, okay, here's the second thing. I want to take those two, put them together, you and me, and we do a shark tank for game creators. <laughs> I love it. I mean, right? I think they pitch yeah. their board games. They come in, we have our panel of these big game guys, like a guy from Hasbro, a guy, from, you know, and then like the indie guy. And they all say, I'll take 10% of your game. We just take the business model of shark tank and we do board games. I feel like, you know, they didn't do that. They did a toy one, I think, but I don't think they did one specifically for games. I think that's a really good idea. And I, man, I, I think that people just need to get out and play some of these things more. They're, they're a lot of fun and it's really a good way. You know, I don't get to the, to do them as often as I would like to, but my, mm -hmm. my sister that I give, give them a hard time to, um, 
uh, we oh. play. She set up a family game day on Sundays where everybody, I you know, this. the whole family comes and we, we they're they're simple games, kind of the apples to apples type things, or you know, stuff like so that. You're playing you know? online, right, through an app. We're playing, no, we're not. Well, we play through an app sometimes, but sometimes we just put the the video screen up to to something. Um, I'm trying to figure out one <laughs> that uh, had some different games that we could play, but it's a really great way for us to be able to talk without, you know, having to get too into it. You know, like you have all those family members together, you know, you want to make sure that everybody's okay, but you also don't want to just like get into anything deep. You want to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, don't bring without, that up. Yeah. Without bringing up anything weird. Oh, so, I knew it. Didn't I tell you he was going to bring it up. I told yeah. you before we got on this thing, he was going to bring it up. And what did I oh, say yeah. he was going to do if he brought it up? Uh, Bye. Well, my mom sent me some videos. I'll, I'll have to put them on there because I kept putting my um, aunt, like uh, strippers on the, the the green screen the last time Wait, we were doing it. Strippers. Yeah, just I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, uh, did, you, did you? I don't understand. You have you have random images of strippers. I, I go to the I clubs got, before the quarantine and I, no, I got videos from YouTube of just dancers. They weren't strippers. There were some strippers. I got the, I put the magic mic uh, dance scene behind me on the green screen. The Australian at one point. Uh, yeah. under the uh, yeah. down unders. The thunder. From down, down under, down under. Yeah. So there are things things you can do to make and annoy your family while you play board games on Zoom. But in general, what I really liked about it was, you know, we we could have my mom and my dad, my stepmom and my my sisters and my you know my brothers and my sisters and my and and our kids all, all playing. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to extend all of the. No, you can extend it out to twenty of your family well, members. Because you not all of us can really like sit and talk and enjoy each other's company in that in in that surrounding like one on one. Or in a group because it'd just be a lot of people talking. But when you put a board game to kind of connect everybody, now you have a dozen or you know eighteen people all playing around the same, you know, the same game with the same goal and 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 creating a connection that you couldn't do all together just in a big Zoom. You know what I mean? This is what I'm real. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. And what I'm realizing as you're talking about this is that I, I get it now. Board games are for Gaisha people, and food is what Jews use as board <laughs> games. Well, yeah. Our board games are food. Oh, we're breaking the fast. There's going to be a dinner. There's a lunch. We're having brunch. There's a thing around bagels and rugala. <laughs> everyone comes and we have 20 or 30 people, and we yep. can even extend it on Zoom too. Everyone just eats while they're on the Zoom. See, that's good. I feel like that's when we do Jewish that, board eventually games. you end up in a in a you know in an argument about something. And the, the one thing about this is, at least with its video games, it's either arguing about the rules or arguing about um, whether Jason needs to be kicked out for putting um, inappropriate content on his green screen. I, which would be the strippers. I'm oh, sorry, dancers. Sorry, the dancers. Dancers. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> is, is that, is that I, I, at one point I put um, a, an old episode of Stuck at Home behind me, just. <laughs> Just let them see it. I, I, if you're someone like me and you and you you've you know dated a lot of dancers, you understand that you can't ever call a dancer a stripper. No. They're dancers, and the first thing you have to ask them about are their knees. How are your <laughs> knees, babe? How are your knees? How's the? I know it's hard. I'm not. I'm not making a joke. It's actually dead serious. No, I, that's the first thing you I should write a handbook for dating a, a roofer or a painter. Um, anybody in the any yes. artisan. How are your knees? Yeah, how are your knees? Skier, same thing. Big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Your knees. In general, any athlete, any, you know, treat them all the same. How are your knees? How's your knees? How's your back? Oh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. You're a caring guy. Exactly. Um, yeah. Real quick, we're getting close to time. I have something right. I would like to I share with you if you have ahead. a second. I do. Yes, I, I do. Okay. Wait, I'm um, sneeze. So give me a second. Very off topic of the games, but I'm, I feel like we got into all that stuff pretty good. Didn't really work um, for me. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, um, if you listen to the show or if you've listened to the show um, recently, um, I had some comments about the new Hamilton uh, release on Disney Plus. The, the theatrical version with the original cast of Hamilton was um, was played, and I, I I had some I said some words about it, and I just wanted to let you know that um, people posting different stuff. I got a okay, lot. Okay, here we go. I've been a bad fan. Can't get how much with her. All right, let's do it. All right, and I just but I just want to let you guys know that I heard you. I all the hate. All the all the all the Facebook messages, the DMs, the text Jason messages. Jason is referring to is his Facebook post that said, "I think Hamilton is just okay. Fight me, fight me." And um, it started a uh, started a lot of posting. It started and, a lot of posting. And, a lot of posts. And um, and it, it extended to a point where my mom had to call me to ask me if I was mad at my sister, which I am not. Um, but oh my Lord. I wanted to let you guys know that I've heard you. So I just have something I'd like. To, I've, I've prepared a statement. And I'd like to read it for you. Please. Right. Why don't you take me off the screen while you All read right. this? Seriously, yeah, take me that's, off. 
Okay. You should have the whole. It has come to my attention. No, I need to hear. I need to hear. <laughs> I need Please to... do it without me here. Okay. It has come to my attention that some of the words I used on yesterday's show in regards to Hamilton have negatively affected the people who listen and or follow Stuck at Home. Words like, it was just okay, or fine, are not words that can be thrown around with frivolity. Although statements may be 100% true, I understand that sometimes saying that the pedestrian rap in uh, Hamilton should be more suited for a PBS children's show or an episode of a 90s cartoon like Animaniac than a Broadway stage, or as Jared, Gerard Carmichael said on the LeBron James show, The Shop, it sounded like when they sent people to rap multiplication at me when I was an inner city youth. It's something that America is not ready to hear at this time. Even though I didn't mention this yesterday, expressing that some of the writing is lazy or mentioning the problematic history of these historical figures may, uh, is not a reason to express any feelings that this show was adequate um, and as those words are inappropriate in real time. First and foremost, as a fan of the movie and most of the music of Moana, I'd like to extend an apology to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mr. Miranda, while Hamilton was not great and only okay, I think you will go far in this business, and I wish you success in the future. But to those of you who I offend, I offer my sincerest apologies, and I hope that you are one day able to watch some great musicals that have great, graced the stages of Broadway and beyond. Once you do, I won't request an apology in return. A head, nine will, a head nod will do just fine. Thank you for your time. That was a statement. That was not an apology. That was like when someone says to me, like, I'm really, I feel, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like, so you feel sorry for me is basically what you're saying. You feel sorry for me that I can't handle you saying those words. I just, Which, I don't argue with one thing you said. I just, I loved every moment of it. Um, best thing Lin-Manuel Miranda did, uh, curb your enthusiasm. But I, I haven't seen Hamilton yet. I am going to watch it just so I can join on this bandwagon. Uh, I, well, you know, I, I understand, you know, when I'm learning is words hurt, words hurt and calling something. Okay. Is not allowed anymore. We can either, we either have to like it or we have to hate it, but to, to just say it was fine. Uh, you cannot be middle of the road. You either have to get canceled or you have to jump on the, uh, you know, the moral majority, uh, you know, whatever Nietzsche called it. He had a term for it. <laughs> I know what it is. I'm just not going to use it cause I'm That's afraid fine. I'll get canceled, uh, but let me say something. Like, you know, I haven't stopped doing. <laughs> um, First of all, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that statement. Um, I, I, I was thinking about something while you were, are we almost, we're almost done. But we're I, almost say done. This. I was thinking about something while you were reading that statement and your apology when you, when you drifted onto the apology to Lynn Manuel, mm -hmm. um, I was thinking to myself, well, this motherfucker ain't coming down here to apologize to me for three and a half hours of my life being wasted on the heights. Bitch. <laughs> like if you're going to make shit that sucks, like, you know, just cause you make something great that everybody loves great. Everybody loves it. You already won. Uh, I'm done. I think it's fine. I think it's really funny. I, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy okay. this because that, that's the irony of all of it. Lynn Manuel, Manuel, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, however his name is said correctly, Lin-Manuel Miranda has Tony Awards, Ace Awards, millions of dollars. This thing, you he, he could, it's kind of like George Lucas when he hit the first Star Wars. He could, he could make board games and shirts for the rest of his life on this thing. He is good. So I, I my, 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 it's only an adequate play is ridiculous. And that's what's amazing about it. And that's why I like, I like, I like, I like, you know what I do? I like liking them. I like it. I like Hamilton. I just don't love it. I like liking it. And if anybody hates on me for not for not loving it, I love that too. I feel like hating on someone for not loving it is way aggressive. <laughs> like I feel like that's way way aggressive. Like you're just slow down, back up, give me a few feet around me in every direction before you come again with that. How dare you not love this? What is what is Stephanie saying? I forgot about the Pulitzer. Oh, did it win a Pulitzer? Yeah, maybe it did that for, too. Wait, Pulitzers are uh, for music. No, Pulitzers are for writing. 
Yeah, but there's got to be like he won for for the play. But is it a play alone? If there's music, isn't it a musical? I don't know. know. We're gonna look this up. By the way, let's get into this next time. All right. So, Jason, tomorrow. We can't say that. Sorry, Scott Porch. Jason, on the next episode, aren't we going to do something cool? Yeah, tomorrow we're going to talk about content. Tomorrow we're going to talk about. We have lots of stuff to catch up on. It's going to be me and you, like the olden days. We're going to have a regular regular thing and then i got and then i'm gonna, but i'm gonna get back on the phone with my sister right now and fight with her about uh that this show was yeah fine yeah this doesn't end this doesn't yeah, end i ends. love this this show is okay by the way if you just think this show is okay that we just did we're okay with that i'm okay with that yeah, yeah. we're okay with and that. If you're like, yeah yeah, we'll yeah. Just show i love you guys yeah listen everybody again thank you for being here for yet another episode of stuck at home with us and uh stay safe stay strong jason smith I love everybody, and I only kind of like Hamilton. See you guys later. <laughs> yeah, y'all, it's quarantine. It's quarantine. A, podcast. <clears throat> A podcast network.